Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome to the Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching Podcast, where we help you grow your real estate business by focusing on one key element, and that is listings. In a transitioning market with longer days on the market, confusing pricing, and increased competition, you need more listings to last. That's why we're focusing on centers of influence and past client lead generation. As America's number one real estate coaches, we know that your favorite listings come from your past clients and friends because they already know, love, and trust you. That's why it's crucial to speak with your database systematically and consistently. And by doing so, you'll find that 10% or more will do business with you or refer business to you every single year. So just think, excuse me, 10% of 100 is, of course, 10 deals. But 10% of 300 is 30 deals. It makes perfect sense to grow your list. But the question is, how do you actually grow your past client center of influence list? Well, according to the National Association of Realtors, NAR, 2021 profile of home buyers and sellers, 21% of home sellers found their real estate agent through a referral from a friend, a neighbor, or a family member, and 7% found their agent through a previous transaction. This means that nearly 30% of real estate business comes from centers of influence and past clients. Additionally, a study by Contactually found that agents who consistently follow up with their database can expect to generate one or more transaction per year for every 12 people in their database. In other words, a database of 300 people could generate 25 transactions per year if consistently nurtured. Now, you take that 25 times your average net commission, that'll tell you what the potential is. Join us every week as we dive into the strategies, techniques, and mindset shifts that you need to grow your list and succeed in the real estate industry. From mastering your messaging to creating a system that works for you, we've got you covered. So tune in, take notes, and get ready to take your real estate business to the next level. All right. So regular listeners, you know we never start the podcast out like that, you know, where we just read you something like that. But we ended yesterday with talking talk, talking with you guys about chat GPT. Um and I'm going to tell you, that whole introduction that Julie just read was 100% by ChatGPT. And I'm going to read you now what, the, what I put into ChatGPT for it to spit that out. Okay, this is all I put in. You need more. These, were, these are the keywords, right? This is all I dropped in. You need more listings. You have to list to last, especially in a transitioning market with longer days in the market, confusing pricing, and a lot more com- competition. Your favorite listings come from past clients and friends because they already know, love, and trust you. When you speak to the database, past clients, and people in your sphere systematically and consistently, you'll find that 10% or more do business with you or refer you somebody that will. And then it's 10% uh, 10 of 100 is 10 deals, 10% of 330 deals. So it makes sense uh, to grow your list, but how can you do this? All right, now we're going to talk about that. And we're going to give you a lot of drill down points on that. But here as a tail, uh, as attachment to yesterday's podcast, that is incredible because I just put what was essentially, you know, some thoughts more than anything with a lot of keywords. I dropped those into chat GPT and I asked chat GPT to write me a podcast description and it did what Julie just 
uh, read to you. It went in and it found statistics from National Association of Realtors. And contactually. And contactually. It went in and researched. Now, I want you to notice something. And those of you who listened yesterday, you'll know what I'm talking about. The statistics were from 2021 is because ChatGPT only pulls data from the internet from 2021. Um, but there is now a ChatGPT extension that will allow it to pull absolutely up-to-date, completely happened within a millisecond information mm-hmm. from the internet. So just FYI. Just to kind of tag on to what we ended with yesterday. And by the way, that was read by real Julie. That's me. But in the future, (laughs) probably there will be an avatar, Julie. We're working on uh, our avatars uh, for the future. But I thought it was interesting. And, and, you know, it saved an epic amount of research. And, you know, I had a a side question for you. Mm. Uh, Don't you think it's interesting that ChatGPT is able to find stats from sites that normally we would have to log into? like Inman or Contactually or NAR. NAR has a login to get all of their uh, newsletters and facts. So I, what, I wonder how that is. So what you're saying is they're in a nerdy way is you're saying their search spiders are going behind paywalls. And actually, I don't think that's true. Okay. I don't think they are. Maybe they're finding it as reported in other places. That's what it's doing. So it doesn't have to log in. And did I tell, I showed you, I put it on Instagram. Well, that's I, faster than what I do. I asked ChatGPT who America's number one real estate coaches I know, are. That's great. And it actually said, Julie and I, and it wrote something nice. I put that up on um, Instagram. So if you guys uh, were wondering who, you know, America's number one real estate coaches are, well, you better trust ChatGBT because if you don't, it's going to know you didn't trust it. It's coming for you. It's coming for you. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, wasn't there an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that started out that Terminator, way? Terminator probably. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, All right. I know. So we're, we're going to take you guys through a very, very simple way, uh, a very effective way, frankly, a fun way mm-hmm. to build your center of uh, influence and past client list. Now, this is just surface training. This is certainly not in-depth coaching. Many of you are uh, living and breathing from the content from our podcast and we've gotten so many of you over the years that have said that your real estate quote, uh, coach, I'm air quoting here, um, that you're paying for doesn't do you as much good as just listening to this podcast, and we appreciate it. With that being true, imagine how good the coaching program is. And we've made it easy for you. Just text the word Premier to 47372, and you can join Premier Coaching right now for free, or just go to premiercoaching.com. Remember when texting, message and data rates may apply. Yes. So today we're talking specifically about the expansion of your database. So based on how we started out this podcast, you now know that when you systematically talk to and nurture that database, you can expect at least a 10% return. Again, 10 deals out of every 100, contextually says one deal out of every 12. It's basically a 10% return, which means the more people in your database, the better your return is going to be. You know what? It's worth me telling this. Uh, this is something that you and I usually talk about on the podcast when we're talking about this or in live events. We talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. There are three filters that everybody goes through when they're trying to choose um, a service provider. And these are not the four filters when choosing a coach. This is just, this is interesting information. I believe. This was done um, at one of the Ivy Leagues back in like the 80s or the 70s when this research was originally done. We'll ask ChatGPT in a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should just ask ChatGPT. It'll know. So here, here's – and I'm not going to remember the numbers exactly because I'm not ChatGPT. This is the real Tim, you know. Uh, but, so I'll, but I'll give you the, the gist of it. So when you're choosing, uh, you need to hire a roofer. Uh, and your roof is leaking. You need to hire a roofer. And you need to get the roof fixed. The first thing you're going to do, and everybody does this, is you're going to ask yourself, do I know a trusted roofer? Have I used somebody before? Do I have someone that I know that I'm going to hire because this person has proven to be reliable in the past? So the first thing that everybody does when they're thinking about hiring anybody to do anything is they always ask, 
who do I know? Now, if I don't know a roofer, if you don't know a roofer and you still need that roof fixed, the next thing that everybody does is they ask for a referral, in essence, from a trusted friend or an advisor. Yep. How many of you uh, have asked for a referral for somebody? Julie does it constantly, right? Uh, just in the past week, everyone goes to that process. Do you know a roofer? No. Well, I'm going to ask Bob, my neighbor, if he knows a roofer, right? I know Bob. He's got a roof that you know doesn't appear to be leaking. He probably knows a good roofer. Now, then and only then, if you don't know someone, if Bob didn't, your neighbor didn't know someone, then and only then do you respond to any form of marketing and advertising. Now, statistically, and again, I'll have to ask ChatGPT for the numbers, but in essence, something like 94% if everyone makes the decision who they're going to use based on someone they've used in the past or a referral from a trusted friend or advisor. And again, I wish I remembered these numbers, but if I remember correctly, it's almost split evenly between people using someone they've used in the past and using a referral from a trusted friend or advisor, which leaves less than 10% of anyone is ever going to hire someone based on branding, marketing, advertising. They're always going to lean primarily in to who do they already know and trust or who does my great neighbor Bob know and trust that I can right. be leaning on? And that's the end of the conversation, right? So, for example, um, Zoe's dentist says she's on the fast track to needing braces, right? <laughs> so where do I start? I'm going to ask the dentist who they recommend. And I'm going to ask a couple friends who their kids are getting their braces from, right? I don't then go looking for marketing and advertising. I've already probably made my decision. I'm going to look at one or two of those people. That's good enough for me because my friend or my dentist, my trusted friend or advisor says, you got to use this orthodontist. I'm done. I'm out. Decision made. Do you ever find any service provider or have you since we've moved to Puerto Rico from an ad? I can't think of any. I can't think of any either. You were looking for a landscaper and you asked our neighbor, Angel, Angel, you know, mm -hmm. but that's pronounced Angel in Spanish, and for a landscaper and he sent you three. Yes. And our pond person came from our other friend, Tracy. Yeah, exactly. You guys yeah. get the point? Yeah. But you all operate the exact same way. Now, when you move to a new community, if you don't know every, anybody, then you might lean into ads. And yet, how many of you are spending so much money, so much time trying to essentially, you know, buy your business through advertising and marketing? How many of you believe that your way forward is through branding, right? You guys have been led to believe something that is has never been true and never will be true because humans primarily will always choose someone they've done business with before assuming that person's done a good job or a referral from a trusted friend or advisor. There's no amount of AI or no amount of technology that's going to replace that. So that brings us full circle to you want to be the one that everybody knows. Thus, you want to expand. Now, why? How do you get to know? How do you get to be a trusted friend or advisor? Or how do you get to be it so that Bob is referring you? You have to have successfully done a transaction with them before, and yes. that's how they know you. They know you from past performance and success. Marketing and branding on social media, direct mail, and all this other stuff is going to put you into the category where only 10% of the available clients are going to even be searching there in the first place. And by the way, that is the most competitive area to go mm -hmm. and try to basically generate leads. That's the reason it's so damn expensive because so many other people are competing for that same attention. We're not saying don't do the marketing, branding, and the advertising, but what we are saying in real estate and much in many other entrepreneurial you know, service professions like real estate, like a lot of other things, you don't have to. And some of the most successful agents that Julie and I have ever coached, some of the most successful agents on planet Earth do virtually no marketing and advertising because they get all their business from those two primary sources. They don't expect anything to come from the marketing and advertising. 
uh, frankly, and it doesn't, they get all their business from a center of influence past client or referral from a trusted friend or advisor. Over time, the marketing and branding can reinforce those relationships with the people that know, love, and trust your the referral sources. The, the marketing and branding might reinforce it, but chances are you would have gotten that business in the first place without sending a single postcard. That's right. And here's the thing. Speaking of past clients, a category that, if we're being honest, most agents avoid talking to, and most of them will say, this is something I'm weak at. I wish I was better Next year, I'll get better at talking to my past clients. And why? It's because I don't want to be perceived as a pushy salesperson. I don't want to be perceived that the only reason I'm contacting them is for the sake of, I don't want them to think that the only reason I'm yeah. contacting them is because I want something from them. You guys have created, many of you have created this a massive amount of Mickey Mouse in your heads that you need to clear out. They want to talk to you. And, and yet, how pissed off do all of you get when you drive past one of their houses with somebody else's sign in the yard? You get so angry, you get so mad because that was your past client. Well, if you're going to act that way, you have to actually be talking to them. And there's lots of different ways we talk about in coaching. You know, one of the coolest things that one of my clients is doing right now, Tammy in uh, Virginia, every three weeks or so, she's doing these themed dinner parties where she has 12 to 15 of different combinations of her past clients, her center of influence, people that know, love, and trust her already, but don't necessarily know each other. So she thinks of a fun theme, like I think the last one she did was a pasta party, so they all had different aprons on and you know it was really fun. And they just chat and of course organically real estate comes up, Tammy's the real estate person, she talks about that, but she is being the connector and she is taking seriously the, you know, talking to her past clients. Now, the next part of this is how to expand, how to systematically expand your center of influence. People who already know, love, and trust you and think about you as the real estate professional. So there's three categories to systematically expand your sphere of influence, your center of influence, people that are in your database. Part A, things you like to do anyway. Now, I lead with this because you're more likely to actually do it repetitively. These are hobbies, sports, arts, Organized exer exercise programs like Orange Theory, Zumba, or CrossFit. Let's stop there. Yes. Now, the importance of, and again, do, you being you, doing what you like to do around other people that actually like to do the same damn thing. Yes. That's what point number, letter A was. You being you, doing what you like to do around other people that are liking to do the same damn thing, you're going to find people that are going to be instant friends with you. Oh, and you happen to be the person that sells real estate. Guess what you've just done? <laughs> you become the real estate agent. Only if you talk about it, though. They're not going to stop when you're at the, you know, when you're, uh, you know, uh, let's say, for example, you love dogs and you go to the dog park every Saturday or, you know, twice a week or whatever it is. And you're now getting to know a lot of the other dog um, parents there, at the, you know, every time you go. And they're now talking with you about real estate. Do you think they're going to stop talking to you about real estate if you don't have a, you know, a thousand videos on Twitter <laughs> or whatever? You guys get it? Because that natural, organic conversation with somebody who has something in common, in common with them already, that immediately puts you in one of those first two categories. You have bonded with them. Exactly. They now trust you, which puts you in that category that you were just talking about. Who do I already know who knows something about real estate? Oh, you know what? That Tim guy that walks those crazy French bulldogs all the time, he talks about real estate all the time. And, the, and look, you can do this look, playing golf not necessarily great unless you're playing golf with different people every time. We think that any kind of organized fitness thing that's a class environment is great, 
provided you talk to people. Yes. Some of you will go up with, you show up in the gym with your earbuds, your hat pulled up like you're some sort of serial killer, right? And you'll walk in there. You won't make <laughs> Not eye contact. Not approachable. You'll make eye, no eye contact with anybody. You won't say anything to anybody. You'll get your exercise done and you leave. No, you just failed at actually the whole damn point of going to the gym aside from the physical workout that hopefully you guys got. <laughs> you so. get it? I mean, if, if Julie and I were to get back into real estate, um, Julie would be doing music things. I would be doing car things because we love those things. We would be doing, which we already do, tons of things with Zoe. And we'd then be meeting parents. Mm -hmm. You guys get it? People want to do business with people that are like them. You are like a lot of people, probably. <laughs> probably. Okay? So you might as well put yourself in their way so they can get to know you. Because as soon as they know you from you know, Zumba or whatever, or Orange Theory, you instantly have a special place in their heart uh, because of the fact that they and you go to Orange Theory together. They and you suffer through Orange Theory yes. together. They and you now have something in common. You're you the bonded. Same. They you're trust the, you. You guys get it? You're it, To use sort of modern vernacular, you're part of their tribe. Yes, and here's the proof. When you look at that beautiful, amazing, kick-ass new listing, and you go, how did that agent get that listing? I've never heard of that agent. They don't have 16,000 followers on uh, YouTube. How'd they do that? Well, That's, here's the answer. We just Somebody told you. Somebody knew them. Yeah, we just okay. told you. There you they, go. they go to CrossFit together with the seller. That's how they got to know, got that business. And yet you are spending all of this money on your branding and your marketing, and you're not realizing you're making it too damn hard. Why or worse you... than that, you're just waiting for the market to bounce back and produce leads for you. Exactly. Or you're buying leads. Yeah. So stop that. All right. Point B. Uh, again, we're talking about the three categories to systematically expand your sphere. The first thing was things you like to do anyway. The second thing is business networking for the sake of networking. These are things like BNI, that's Business Network International, or, or in addition to your Chamber of Commerce, Toastmasters is great because that forces you to speak in front of people. Entrepreneurs clubs, uh, investor clubs, neighborhood associations like your own HOA, for example. And you can find a lot of this on meetup.com and in your local newspaper and Facebook's, uh, you know, different associations there. Some of them private, some of them public. But business networking for the sake of networking where it's even more okay to talk about real estate. I respectfully disagree with you, my love, on the HOA well, thing. Well, okay. So again, this is a podcast. This is not coaching. When we do this right. in coaching... We talk about if you're going to be part of your HOA, you don't want to be the president, you don't want to be the vice president, and you don't want to be the secretary or the treasurer. You want to be the HOA representative at large who is the liaison to the neighborhood and doesn't have to do all of the egregious actual work of being on the HOA. Don't seek any position of power. No, just seek you're going to lose every time on that. Just seek a position of influence. Don't yes. make it so that you're ever saying no to anybody. Because I have had coaching clients, I'm sure you yeah. have too, uh -huh. who got on the HOA and yeah. for whatever reason, they're the wrong side of a popular, uh, you know, a vote. exactly. And then they never got business from that community again. Yeah, that, that is a slippery slope. That is true. Okay. So uh, C, I think uh, is the most fun and that's for charitable sure. events, right? So this is auctions that could be art auctions. You and I like go to car auctions. Food drives, toy drives, fundraisers, school charities, church charities, functions organized by people in your database. You don't have to create the event, but you should be supporting other people's events instead. 
This can be, a, a lot of my coaching clients right now have kids in school and they're doing stuff through the PTA or uh, they're going to soccer games or creating databases of soccer moms and dads. There's lots of different things you can do here, but the charitable events, you know, you can concentrate on some higher end stuff like uh, art museums are great, things like that. It also makes you a more interesting person to know more about that type of stuff. But it, again, if you're in most of the country, the school events, those are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the church charities, you know, synagogue, mosque, those are amazing. Anything that's going to put you in a position of being of service to other people, where you're around people that you have this common element of religion, let's say, or the common element of your kids going to the same school. There, Sandy Rains, when mm -hmm. we were selling real estate in New Albany, she got a ton of business because she used to coach for the women or the for the high school girls' swim team. Yes, because her daughter had swim on the yep. swim team, Tons of but she swim. kept on coaching for the swim mm -hmm. team even after her daughter graduated from high oh, yeah. school. And that was it's brilliant. Great. Absolutely. Completely. And, and you know, if you're talking about events, you don't have to be the one who organizes and, and puts it together and funds it, but you should know. And how are you going to know what your people in your database are doing? Well, you know, point number one was talk to them more frequently and be in support. You know, John Walkinshaw in Canada is fantastic with this. He does, what is it called? It's uh, It's like... Prayers with the mayor. I think it's called prayers with the mayor. He does something like that where it's not, he didn't create the event, but he actually prospects his database, inviting them to the event. He does another one for a golf tournament. This is a way that he uses to connect with them first about the event. And then of course, talk about real estate later. Well, let's talk about the pumpkin thing. This is your idea. This oh, is something we've I given to pumpkin. billions of you. And a lot of you guys are doing now pumpkin fest. Would you call it? Would you call it pumpkin I think it was fest? pumpkin fest where, and, and that one was one that we put together. We had some help from some past clients in our team on that. But basically what you do, and you need to be uh, organizing this round about August, maybe September at the latest, you should connect to your local pumpkin farm, which almost everybody, maybe if you live in Arizona, there's not pumpkins, but well, there's almost gonna, everybody You has can pumpkins. buy massive crates of pumpkins. And you can buy them wholesale. But what her point is, is if you order them too soon and you've got to, you've got to put the pumpkins someplace and they're going to rot. Yeah. So you got to time this out. And you get a better deal because they're looking at their piles of pumpkins going, I got to sell these things. Right. Now we lived in the Midwest and, you know, central Ohio. So us finding pumpkins wasn't that hard to adjust accordingly. But we started this out in our front yard. We mm -hmm. lived in New Albany. So in our neighborhood, which we sold in, in the New Albany Country Club. So the first year we did it, I think we had 200 pumpkins. And it was like two trucks. And you and my brother and I, maybe Coach Rochelle, unloaded all those one morning. We did. But we put them all over the yard. All over the yard. And, 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 and we didn't. We gave them away. Yeah. And we asked for people to bring by canned goods. That was, we turned it into right? a food drive. Yeah, we did, and we gave that food to the local food bank. But I remember on the mm -hmm. first one, correct me if I'm wrong on any of my details, mm -hmm. that we got so many cans of food that the original people that we wanted to give the food to mm -hmm. actually said it was too many cans and they couldn't handle it. Yes, because the community rallied behind that. Now, the cool thing about the pumpkin patch, and, and you know, get permits if you need to get permits for your neighborhood. We, we did it at the local elementary school. That was the next year because it had gotten to be so big. The right. cool thing is, you know at least in most of the country, right? It's October, it's getting cold. I don't know about you, but driving out in the country to some mud pit with your kid to get pumpkins is more egregious than sticking to your own neighborhood, popping by for 10 minutes, seeing your neighbors and chatting 
about all things in the neighborhood. It was just, a, it was more convenient. It was easy to get a huge turnout. Remember we even sold the bales of hay like before noon? We did. We were out of everything before noon. We were. And then this became bigger, so we partnered with the elementary school. We eventually added the um, Red Cross blood drive. Well, let's talk about that. So we made one call to the uh, principal and she's of uh, the elementary school, and she said, we told her what it was for. Yep. We are pumpkin drive. You know, people are going to donate, uh, you know, canned, canned food. And then we we no money was exchanging hands, thus avoiding sales tax, guys. Yes. Thus avoiding bureaucracy and making change and all of that stuff. Thus avoiding all the silly licensure crap because we're don't we're giving them pumpkin canned goods. Boom, you off charitable to, event. Right. So the pumpkins were dropped off. Pumpkins go all over this field. Then we had the idea. Well, why don't we involve the American Red Cross? So we made one call to the American Red Cross, and they are incredible to work with. And we said we are doing this pumpkin drive. This is what it is. They want. I think we had to fill out some, you know, simple form. American Red Cross said, and the elementary school said, uh, you can use uh, these different classrooms. We'll put up gurneys for people to go in and chain and, and donate blood. We had never done that before. We didn't know what to expect. So here's what happened. We didn't. What I'm about to tell you was amazing, and you guys should all be doing it. American Red Cross is so damn organized when it comes to blood drives. That what they did is they agreed to participate in our blood drive. No money is being exchanged hands. They're just going to be there to you know collect blood. They then show up. It's like a it was essentially like the military showing up. You know, yeah. there are probably ten nurses. I don't remember all of it. I was too busy hauling pumpkins. Showed up and set up all these gurneys and in the in the you know in the hospital in the elementary school. But prior to the blood drive, they proactively telemarketed one call at a time into that community, inviting people to the blood drive. You know, their database. They actually called their database and were cold calling, inviting people to Tim and Julie Harris's pumpkin drive and the local paper picked it up. And the amount of attention we got that got from that was extraordinary. And I bet you that cost us maybe 1500 bucks. And I bet you we if had that, that underwritten by our title company, Mortgage we did. Company. We did. Right. Yeah, so we, and really that was just the cost of the pumpkins because the Red Cross, I think, I don't remember paying them anything. Right. And we, so yeah. Julie and I, you know, our coaching business took off. We eventually moved out of Columbus, Ohio. But we still had people for years I afterwards. I hear about it today. Today, asking about the pumpkin drive. So that is an idea we just gave to you that you should run with. Start it small in your front yard and scale it up as the years uh, go by. But look how the, I think we didn't probably appreciate it at the time, but what we were doing was connecting all of these different elements from our community, from our database, our past clients were involved. Remember, we involved Starbucks at a certain point. We did. Okay, so Tristan, who ran Starbucks, was a past client. Um, it was in our farm neighborhood, New Albany Country Club. We had had listings and sales in there. We'd had open houses in there. And we were involving people from our uh, own database. We were involving the school, which was expanding our database. Uh, we utilized the Red Cross, who prospected for us. There's a lesson in that as well. you know. So I, I think it, part of this expansion of your center of influence should be to support people that are doing things and help them to support you and connect all those dots. You guys see, this is not marketing advertising. This is actually about being of service, a, of service to other people on a mass scale. Something else that we did, buy or sell with me, adopt a pet for free. <laughs> that was fun. So we did this starting our second year in business. And what it was essentially, you know, unfortunately, there was a fair amount of bureaucracy attached to this. But we went to the Capital Area Humane Society, which was the main humane society in Columbus. And we said, we want to pay for the adoption fees of a cat or a dog or whatever for everyone 
that buys or sells real estate with us. And we were selling between 100 and 200 homes. And we had no idea how many people would take us up on the offer to go and adopt the pet and have their adoption fees covered. Humane Society was open to it, uh, you know, provided that the people wanting to adopt the pet qualified. They didn't want to... Which was basically filling out a survey that you were going to spay or neuter your pet, that you were going to take care of it, that you would surrender it back to them if you ever couldn't take care of it. It was just basically their pre-qualification form. Right. But from that... What do you think happened? <laughs> Julie and I were all of a sudden, we'll buy or sell. We, we, we took listings. We had people do business with us because of the fact that we were involved with the Humane Society. Who would not have otherwise called us, I think. Right. We yeah, had I mean, people... they, they would say that was the reason. Right. Because that's important to me. And I thought it was really cool that you guys were doing that. So that's why you're here talking to me in my dining room about listing my house. Exactly. And my 14,000 cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beware, you may get the dreaded cat house as yeah, a result. The, yeah. But that's okay. We, we you know, embrace that. So how did that, we, that was buy or sell with me, adopt a pet for free. How did we originally learn about all this? You guys will all end this uh, podcast today because it'll make you guys laugh. So Julie and I have been married for 32 years this year. Uh, when we first got married, like the second year, we decided we wanted to have a couple cats. Well, okay, you know, kittens would be kind of fun. And, you know, I grew up with cats, so, you know, whatever. Julie didn't, sort of had no background, but she was... You know, we went to the Humane Society and we went to the Humane Society on a day that they were doing buy one, get one free. Yeah. So somehow we ended up with... Not one, not two, not three, but four cats. Yes. Four cats. I don't know what we're thinking. For, for years, we had four cats. And let me tell you guys, those things, you know, they're not that much fun when they get older. No, they get a little stinky. <laughs> they do. Yeah, but they were fun, especially as kittens. We they have lots were. of great stories. But that's how kittens. we got to know originally how the Humane Society worked yeah. and all the rest of it. So we were real animal people. This wasn't contrived. But so many of you, like, you know, you could do so many different things, whereas you being you around people that are like you with common interests, and you're naturally going to start attracting people to you. Well, and those of you who, you know, we're we're not saying don't do the social media thing. We're saying don't rely on it. Don't look at it as a spoke. If you want to do fun videos, that's a great way to do it. Highlight what you're doing with the charity. Use a video to invite everybody to your event. You know, it, it just expands from there. And well, I, I think this is a lot more fun. And you want to make a lot of contact on one day. Think about how many people you're going to talk to. Well, the social media stuff, ultimately, mm-hmm. what it does is it reinforces, the online yes. stuff reinforces the offline stuff. IRL. For example, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> so if you're, for example, doing the charity and you're doing your pumpkin drive and you involve the Red Cross, well, you're obviously going to talk about that on all your social, but you're then going to try to expand your social reach with other people in the community. And then you're then staying in better contact with them over time. I mean, Julie and I have people that will come up to us and start talking to us about stuff they saw us post on Instagram or whatever. And a lot of you guys experience that as well. But you got to see it for what it is. It's supposed to re- uh, reinforce the real work of real estate, which is you being you, having real estate conversations with as many different people as possible. And not thinking that the marketing and the branding is going to do uh, is going to replace the need for you or, to have or direct... do that for you. Right, right, exactly. Do you guys understand how misaligned many of you have been taught to be with the realities of how to be very successful in any business? The social media, the AI, the video, all of that stuff is amazing. I wish we had that when we sold real estate. For sure. But it never will replace direct contact with real humans. You being you helping other people. You guys get it? Hopefully you do. I know you do because this is the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. So tomorrow we are going to hopefully 
do a phenomenal job for all of you um, sharing with you what we feel are the most important uh, open AI or chat GPT, same company, extensions. And we're going to tell you what they are. We're going to tell you why we think they're important. And we're going to tell you ideas on how you can use them in your real estate business. And if you are not incredibly optimistic about the future because of how AI is going to liberate you from the boring, monotonous, you know, low-paid tasks of your life in real estate business, listen to tomorrow's show and you will be. Guys, again, it is our pleasure and it's our honor to be your podcast host. Now, you want the real surprise? This entire podcast was done by AI. Julie and I haven't said a thing. No, I'm kidding. But hopefully, For now. In, hopefully in a year. <laughs> I know. Exactly. You guys have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>